So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Maonaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob. We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me. The mother with the children, for you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night, and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau his brother. Two hundred female goats and twenty male goats, two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milk camels with their colts, forty cows and ten bulls, twenty female donkeys and ten foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass over before me, and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one. When Esau my brother meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant, Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the droves. In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him. But he himself lodged that night in the camp, and he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go. For the day breaks. I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? Jacob. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. Tell me your name, I pray. Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place. Peniel.
For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Because of that story, kosher butchers, as I understand it, remove certain muscles from the hindquarters of the animal they are butchering. In fact, some forms of Judaism, they don't eat the hindquarters of an animal just to avoid that in honor of the Jacob experience. Jacob is a man with a lot of problems. Welcome to our journey through the book of Genesis. A number of years ago, there was a movie out called The Minority Report. When I mention movies, I'm not recommending them. I'm just mentioning them, right? In The Minority Report, the story goes like this. They have developed technology where they're able to forecast not only the weather, but now they're able to forecast crime. And so crime fighters are able to prevent crimes from happening. And in the story, it becomes a form of oppression. Uh, some pastors, they have little bitty churches when, because they operate like this. They are suspicious of everybody because people are sinners. And so they prevent people that are going to be a problem from ever being a problem. <laughs> you're, you're not giving God a chance. God does not operate like that. He chose a man named Abraham to have a covenant with him, knowing that he would have problems, his children would have problems. His grandson Jacob had a lot of problems. He was named Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver or trickster. Heel grabber, literally, is what it means. And in our story today, he's on his way back home after a 20-year absence. He had fled the promised land because he had tricked his brother one too many times and deceived his father and fled for his life. And of course, he reaped what he sowed on his absence. And now he's going back home, humbled, but still Jacob. And so he sends two guys ahead of him. He's on his journey back from the other side of the Euphrates, going south and west toward Israel. And along the way, he learns that Esau, his brother, lives in the mountains on the east side of the Dead Sea called Edom. And so he sends two people ahead. You know, if you're going to make peace with someone, sometimes it's wise to send somebody ahead. As important as reconciliation is, and you've been living condemned because of the lack of it, maybe you need to send a messenger ahead to test the waters or at least to plant the seed. And so he sent messengers ahead, hey, Jacob's coming, he's got blessings for you, gifts for you. So when they returned, they said, we found Esau, and he's on his way to meet you, uh-oh, with 400 men. Fear gripped Jacob's heart. And when they told him this, he began to pray. Jacob's not known as a man of prayer. It's better to pray in an emergency than not pray at all, isn't it? He said in verse 9, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. In the previous chapter, God had promised to be with him. 
but in spite of that promise, now he's kind of shook up. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies of all the truth that you have shown your servant, for I crossed over the Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. So when he left home, all he had was a stick and the clothes on his back. And now he's coming back with so much stuff. There's two groups of his family, his estate, his ranch, his company. Deliver me, verse 11, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother and the children, with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now, reminding God of what he said wasn't being manipulative. When we remind God of his promises, we're not blackmailing God. Some people have accused us of that. We're actually applying a scriptural principle. In Isaiah 43, 26, God said, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. It blesses him to be reminded of his word, not that he forgets it, but that we're taking it seriously enough to remember it. So he lodged there that same night, nothing like getting a good night's sleep, and took what came into his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. Now, is this everything that he had? What came into his hands? What it, what it, what it said? Or what the Lord led him to give? And here's what he gave, 200 female goats and 20 male goats. That's a goat farm, isn't it? 200 ewes and 20 rams, that's, that's a sheep farm. That's 30 milk camels with their colts. We don't know how many colts that is. It's over 550 animals plus the camel colts. 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. So he is blessing his brother whom he had ripped off by putting him in business. This is more than just a barbecue. This is barbecues for life, for you, even for your grandkids. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself. So he separated these groups of animals, goats, sheep, cows, donkeys, camels, and delivered them and sent them towards Esau in groups with distance between the groups. And he commanded the first one, verse 17, saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second drove, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, in this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. He said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. So it's another night. So he sends these gifts ahead of him, hoping each gift would wear down Esau's anger. It's been 20 years, so he doesn't know what Esau is like. Is he bribing his brother? Sort of. But a, a bribe isn't bad if you're not tempting someone to break the law. Right? In some foreign countries, their laws are meaningless. 
because of all the bribing in their culture. It's really bad. But when it comes to reconciling with someone, isn't it worth everything you have to have peace with your brother? To sleep at night without worrying about him coming in to pay you back? Proverbs 21.14 says, A gift in secret pacifies anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. So if there's someone you need to reconcile with, try this. This might work. A gift. He arose that night, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. Alone as he was the night he left home. And a man wrestled with him till the breaking of day. And when we get to the end of the story, we see this man was an apparition of God, a a, uh, theophany, a metaphor for God. You know, you can face a lot of resistance in your life, but there's no resistance like the resistance from God. Maybe the resistance you're facing isn't the devil. Maybe it's not people. Maybe it's God saying, talk to the hand. Peter wrote, husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding manner that your prayers may not be hindered. Maybe the breakthrough in your life is being more understanding of your spouse. Get it right at the house. Get right at the house, and you'll be right with the house. Amen? So he wrestles with this man who's resisting him. He has tried everything. Every trick in the book to get ahead in life and face disappointments, but yet overcame them. But now he's out of options. Everything he has is gone. It's just him and God. And God yanks his leg out of socket. There's no record that it ever was the same again. You know, the Lord told um, Moses in Exodus 33, no man can see me and live. So he protected Moses while he appeared to Moses. And so here in this wrestling match, there's no way a man can wrestle with God and not be absolutely smashed like a bug. But God, like a loving father, uses divine restraint to teach us, to keep us from being crushed by himself. He's a consuming fire. So he reveals himself in ways that we're able to handle while he deals with our nature. And Jacob wasn't the same. He's still alive, but yet he's, it's a different Jacob. In fact, his name is changed to Israel, but not till after he asked him to let him go. And Jacob said, I'll not let you go until you bless me. He doesn't have any more plans, no more schemes. He's there at the source of his blessing. God, I've got to have your blessing. I've tried all my tricks, all my, 
All my gifts have been in operation. Nothing's working. 401 men are heading my way, and I must have your blessing. Isn't that something we end up where we should have began? On our faces before the Lord. The Lord asked him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. You know, when he tricked his brother out of a blessing, he said, you're just like your name. No wonder you're named Jacob. He was the younger of the twin boys. Esau being the firstborn means red. He was born red and hairy. And Jacob means heel, heel grabber. He, when he came out of the mother's womb, he had a hold. He was following his brother out, had a hold of his heel, trying to be first. So it means trickster or manipulator, supplanter. So that was him. And so here in his broken state, he is hip out of joint. He admits who he is. And the Lord said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men. And have prevailed. And Jacob said, tell me your name. He said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So he got his blessing. But it was directly from the source. Not from any scheme. Now he's still the same guy in a lot of ways. There's, there's still imperfections we're going to see as we follow this story. And he's still going to reap a lot of what he sowed. But after the experience, he named that place Peniel, which means the face of God. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, that place became known as Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that the source of our blessing is you. And I pray, Lord, for those of us that are struggling with problems in life caused by others, caused by circumstances, caused by ourselves, caused by some minion from the devil, or just caused by life or caused by you. Lord, help us all to recognize that the source of our blessing is you. Lord, may we get a hold of that. And may we move forward in that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the power of surrendering to God. Can we say surrender? surrender. There's a table that you've prepared for me. Amen. It's the body and the blood you shared for me. This is how we fight our battles. We fight by surrendering. This is so contrary to our Jacob nature, to our human nature. I'm going to win by losing. The Gaithers sang a song, I lost it all to find everything. Became a pauper to become a king. When I learn how to lose, that's when I learn how to win. I lost it all to find everything. We're not surrendering to life circumstances. We're surrendering to the hand of Almighty God. We're letting Him win our battles. This is how we walk in victory.
dealing with the real issue in life. I hope this makes sense as we journey through the points here. Our wholehearted submission to God frees us from dealing with our problems alone. There's an old song, Oh, what grace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When we don't, we're facing things on our own. He'll, he'll let us. He'll let us. But if you want true victory, submit to him all your problems. Your weaknesses. God, you know me. I want to kill somebody. <laughs> Help! We're wrestling with, with our natures, really what we're wrestling with. The real us. Our wholehearted submission to the Lord frees us from thinking we must try to be God. You know, the temptation in the Garden of Eden was to be like God, right? When they were already like God. The temptation to believe they're not who they were and an effort to be something different than what they were by believing they're not who they were. But really, the temptation is to try to be God. This is the essence of narcissism. It's in all of us. We want to be the man of our destiny. We want to be, you know, the self-made man, the, the know-it-all woman. We want to be, I, you know, you got the point. But when we submit to God, he is God. We're not. He is God. You hear about the old boy that woke up and started the day with prayer. Lord, I thank you. I've not cussed today. I've not made any obscene gestures today. I've not committed any crimes or any sins today, but now I'm fixing to get up and I need your help. <laughs> we need his help. I recognize you're God and I am not. Amen. Well, doesn't he give us authority? Yes, he does, but it's totally delegated. You know, if a sheriff's deputy ceases to submit to the sheriff, he's no longer deputized. Oh, he may run amok for a while, but eventually he will be dealt with. Our wholehearted submission to him frees us to totally pursue the Lord and his will. When I submit everything to him, I have a new purpose now. I, I have someone new to please, the Lord and not anyone else. I want... His will done in my life. This is a restoration of purpose. I'm done. Please. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be God. I want you to decide what's right for me. I surrender to your will! Ah. Ah. Huh? 
that scene. When we surrender, it really is all over. He takes over, it's all over. This is what's going to make heaven so heavenly. Because you're going to be there with people surrendered to the master. You know what the worst part of being in jail is? It's not the bars. It's not the lack of sunlight or the lack of freedom. It's those people you're cooped up with. <laughs> you have to be in there with. It's terrible. It's a training school for more crime. It's terrible. Heaven is broken, surrendered, loving people born again. We need to beware of formula Christianity. Formula's Christianity is where you lay out steps to go through, and I know God can use the sinner's prayer and, and uses the verses in Romans 10. It's a theology behind how we get saved. But in reality, born again starts with becoming like a child. And that is a journey. We start out that way, but yet there's new levels of surrender as we journey with the Lord. So Jacob gets up from this experience born again. Not like New Testament born again, but there's a new beginning in his life. There's new purpose, a new step. <laughs> no longer the self-assured swagger, who can I con today, but God, I need your help. Our wholehearted submission to him frees us to become more like Jesus Christ. As we go through Genesis, we're looking for Jesus. We're looking for the gospel. We're looking for things that remind us of this. And this story reminds me of this. The night he was betrayed, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus' disciples can't stay awake. And he's battling by himself the desire to dodge the cross. He was tempted like all of us. He went a little, little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is how we fight our battles. Not as I will, but as you will. The text goes on. Again, a second time he went away. Couldn't wake them, or they wouldn't stay awake. And prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. He's surrendering to the Lord in prayer. And a couple of verses later, it says he prayed the same thing a third time. You mean he didn't jump up and down for the chance to die for you and I? He's going to be separated from his father. He's going to be slandered, robbed, stripped naked, shamed. He despised the shame. Hung up for our hang-ups. Not like in the movies, way up high in some grand position, but street level where people can spit in his face. For you and I, he surrendered. Jesus Christ surrendered a couple things. He surrendered his will for the will of his Father. That's what we're called to do. 
Not my will, but thine be done. Praise Jesus. May this same prayer be mine every day. Lord, I pray that you would call us all to a fresh level of devotion and surrender to you. Jesus surrendered his life for the lives of others. His life he laid down for the sake of others. This is what ministry is. Your life given, even to the point of death, death to your selfish way, for his way, to benefit other people, most of whom won't appreciate it, won't realize it till after you're gone. Oh, you should hear the things that will be said at your funeral if you surrender to the Lord. <laughs> it would be an awesome thing. But we live to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus is predicted in Psalm 22, is a prophetic picture of what he went through on the cross. And in that experience, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which happened on the cross, comes from this psalm. He said, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax that is melted within me. That's a Jacob experience. Not just hip out of joint. All his bones out of joint. None of them were broken, but all disjointed. For who? For you and me. So that we who've been separated can be dedicated, reunited, made one. He is the seed promised to Jacob that would bless the world. Jacob prayed to the God of Abraham and Isaac, but we pray to the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So if there's hope for Jacob, if there was hope for Jacob, there's hope for us. Jesus Christ surrendered his body and blood for our covenant. He made a covenant for us with God. Hung between heaven and earth, closer to earth than heaven, for you and I, to bring the two who've been separated by sin together. That's awesome. What's our part? It begins with remembering and leads to surrendering. He made the covenant. We do the remembering. Took out part of the Passover meal and instituted the Lord's table. Took the bread and broke it. The unleavened, the spotted and striped bread and broke it. And said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Took the cup after supper and said, take and drink. This is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. 
So it's about more than just redeeming us from our sins, but putting us into a covenant that God made with God for you and I. Lord, I pray right now that you'd prepare our hearts to partake of the table that you instituted the night of ultimate surrender. You did it for us. And Lord, we reap the benefits of it. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, after partaking today, I pray, Lord, we go out of this place with a fresh level of surrender, looking for places to serve you, for places to make a difference for you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Plan, change our plans. Plan our changes, we pray. Amen. Amen. Break this bread in remembrance of me. Take this cup in remembrance of me. Let's prepare our cup with the bread. And I'm going to have you stay seated today because the Lord's table was instituted while there was sitting. Position of receiving. You know, the day of Pentecost, they were sitting. Yeah, it's awesome.
bring this to our remembrance. Jesus said, do this as often as you shall, but do it in remembrance of me. Brother James. Let's lift the blood high before the Lord. Lord God, we thank you for the precious blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Lord, all of those sacrifices that were offered back in ancient times, right on leading up to the time of Jesus, Lord, they looked forward in faith, and now, Lord, we receive faith right now in our hearts, and we thank you for your blood that forgives sins. Those sacrifices could not, could not forgive sins, but, Lord, your blood forgives all sins, and we thank you for the precious blood right now as we partake together in Jesus' name. There's a table that you prepared for me. <laughs> your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how we fight our battles. The praise team could come forward and lead us in one more song. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. I pray, Lord, your word would bear fruit in our lives in Jesus' name. There's a table you prepared for me In the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood you shed for me This is how I fight 
so blessed to have a pastor that brings this kind of illustration out of Genesis, aren't we? Let's go ahead and um, just very briefly in this account that we covered today in Genesis, one of the things that I see in that, and Pastor Allen covered so much of it, but think about this. Think about it this way. Um, Jacob and Esau are estranged. They're enemies, effectively, aren't they? I mean, they're button heads, and Jacob knows that he's going back to face Esau, and he doesn't know what he's facing. What does he do? He takes the very best of what he has, and as a present, he puts him out in front of him before he encounters Esau. This is exactly what God did when he gave Jesus to us. He gave us that present, the very best of what he had. He was estranged from us, but so that he could reconcile with us, he gave us the very best of what he had. He put it out in front of him as a present for each and every one of us. You see that? What an amazing God we have. He shows us this picture. I just want to, each of you to bow your heads for just a second here because if you haven't, if you're here this morning and you haven't received the very best present that God put out in front of him as he comes to reconcile with us because we've been estranged, today's the day, brothers and sisters. It's so easy, amazing. So I just want you to, if you haven't been reconciled with God, by receiving that present that he has given in the form of Jesus that he sent out before. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. So I thank you, Lord God, that you have given us the very best of what you've got. Hallelujah. And you put it out in front of you as you come to reconcile with us. In Jesus' name. Because of this reason, many are sickly and go to an early grave. So if we can take it appropriately, then many won't be sickly and many won't go to an early grave, right? Yeah. So if you need prayer about anything, raise your hand and just hold it up. 
members of the body of Christ, you see a hand raised, go to those people and pray for them. Anybody else, just keep your hand up till some people gather around you. Anybody else? All right. Lord, we pray you use us mightily to minister today. In Jesus' name, to the sick we say, be healed. Be healed. This is how we fight our battles. Thank you, Lord. This is how we fight our battles. Thank you, Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom peace. Amen. God bless you. Go get him, tigers. This is how we fight. This is how we fight.